For just one corporate job, only four to six people will get an interview for every 250 resumes received. Those aren't very good odds if you're counting on that job. The fact is, you need a real person advocating to a real employer that is a real job, and that's where Express Employment Professionals come in. Express is your local resource to help you get a new job. Express has more than 18,000 jobs available weekly. That's 18,000 jobs that need to be filled right now. Find your nearest office at ExpressPros.com, and Express never charges a job seeker to find employment. Your locally owned Express office can connect you with available jobs in your community. On ExpressPros.com, find jobs in manufacturing, accounting, customer service, sales, distribution, and information technology, you name it. Visit the nearest Express office today to speak with hiring professionals connected to the available jobs in your community. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. ExpressPros.com. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. Dr. Michael Sala. We're talking about, of course, the Secret Space Program and also the life of William Tompkins, who wrote a book called Selected by Extraterrestrials. Tell me your thoughts about the Vatican, Michael. We've talked about this before, but you think they're truly on the verge of some historic announcement, don't you? Uh, definitely. Um, if you look at uh, recent uh, history of the Vatican when it comes to the topic of extraterrestrial life, you can see that uh, from the year 2008, uh, which is the year that uh, you know, there were uh, rumors, uh, unconfirmed rumors, that the United Nations had, had been having secret meetings to discuss uh, a plan for revealing the existence of extraterrestrial life and that the Vatican had played a prominent role in that, that from 2008 um, you, you have uh, a, a, a Catholic uh, priest, a Jesuit, uh, uh, Father Funes, Gabriel Funes, who was the head of the, the Vatican's um, astronomy uh, department. There and, in, and there are two observatories, right? That's right, they had the observatory in, in Mount Graham as well. And uh, he basically did a, an interview for the uh, uh, one of the Vatican's newspapers called the Osservatore Romano, where he actually described uh, extraterrestrials as being more ethically evolved, uh, that they would be more ethically evolved than humanity, uh, that they could well be our brothers, and that uh, they could be baptized. And so then you had the, the Vatican... Um, authorizing uh, at least two uh, major astrobiology conferences. You have uh, other um, Jesuit astronomers, such as uh, Brother Guy Consolmagno, uh, writing a book and being very prominent in international meetings about um, extraterrestrials being baptized, uh, that, uh, that they would be That's more right. ethically evolved, but not... But basically, the, the way in which the, the Catholic theological position has evolved or, or uh, positioned itself as regarding extraterrestrials is that extraterrestrials are more ethically evolved than humans, but less evolved than angels, uh, which means that the Christian message, because the foundation of it is the life of and death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, of course, then the message and the relevance of Jesus uh, would be something of uh, relevance to the extraterrestrials. Uh, and then again, you know, what the extraterrestrials know about human history would be relevant to the Catholic Church. So you know, what has happened is that the Catholic Church, um, under Pope uh, Benedict and now Pope Francis, has um, evolved in terms of how 
extraterrestrials are viewed under Catholic uh, theology, whereby um, extraterrestrials can be accepted as uh, beings that can augment uh, the Catholic view of the universe, but at the same time, extraterrestrials can benefit in terms of what the Catholics have to say or Christians have to say about the life and resurrection of Jesus. So the Catholic Church has really uh, positioned itself um, to make a major announcement concerning extraterrestrial life. And uh, this is something that, according to um, Corey Good, uh, who uh, I'm sure many of, of the listeners have heard, uh, has been saying that he's been given briefings uh, by a number of uh, insiders and that he's been told, according to his sources, uh, that the Vatican actually is ready to reveal the existence of a group of human-looking extraterrestrials and that they would kind of like uh, help humanity enter into a new galactic age. How do you think they'll make that announcement, Michael? I mean, will the, will the Pope be flanked by an ET? What do you, what do you think will be... Well, you know, I think um, very recently there was a friendship statement where the Pope was joined by the Dalai Lama and uh, around 20 other prominent uh, religious figures from the Muslim world, the Buddhist world, uh, Shintoism, um, Confucianism, all these different um, groups, uh, and that they all released, they all participated in an online statement that was uh, released on on YouTube and also in written form, where they called for world um, for all the religions of the world to basically develop friendship and and unity, and and so I think what's likely to happen is that there's going to be some event whereby the Pope and probably um, you know a couple of other prominent religious leaders um, together. Uh, are, are going to emerge with a human-looking extraterrestrial and say that uh, you know, this is a being uh, from the stars who is here to help us uh, move into a new galactic um, uh, age of awareness that we're not alone and that there are incredibly advanced technologies and also uh, spiritual philosophies to be shared and, uh, by humanity and these extraterrestrials. Michael, the uh, secret space program, of course, uh, is hidden, but we're getting things public now. Is there, the Congress proposed a, uh, an Air Force Space Corps. What's that all about? Well, yes, that's, that's a really interesting issue, George. I mean, we, we know that uh, there was a lot of controversy over that, that uh, it was uh, proposed by a, a congressional committee uh, that the U.S. Air Force uh, develop a space corps, uh, but it was something that the Air Force itself opposed and uh, the Pentagon also opposed. So, you know, it's quite confusing. Why would Congress, uh, you know, which often uh, defers to the military, um, especially when it comes to expenditure, um, instruct the the Air Force uh, to, to put together, assemble a space corps when uh, the Air Force was opposed to it? So, you know, there, there's something quite um, kind of fishy there, and, and you know, I, I can guess that, that essentially it's uh, it was done to kind of like in a way uh, get people to think about uh, the possibility that there is a, um, a space corps in operation, or that uh, this is something that um, is in the pipeline, but kind of like muddy the waters 
because uh, you know there is as a number of whistleblowers or insiders have said that there is actually a space corps that's been in operation since the 1950s and that it's actually um, under the auspices Jeez. of the Navy and in particular run by the U.S. Marine Corps. What kind of craft do you think they're using? I, I think that the, the craft that they would be using and the technologies that they would be using for um, uh, being able to move uh, vast distances through space from planet to planet and so forth you know, would be a combination of some kind of craft that uses uh, space-time uh, technologies, uh, you know, typically some sort of torsion field technology whereby if, if plasma is rotated um, at the very high speeds and, and at high pressures, um, it generates a, a space-time effect. So you know, time can dilate within um, the apparatus where you have this spinning plasma um, and in, in it is basically uh, able to uh, move very quickly through space uh, through whatever propulsion system it has. Um, and, uh, you know, and because time is dilated you know, within the, the craft, that means that they can move vast distances um, at, at what appears to be uh, kind of like only a moment for them. Um, and, and basically, uh, you know, they can go anywhere in the galaxy and then come back because they're able to actually not only slow time down, but also reverse time. Um, you know, this is because they're, they're able to kind of travel at uh, faster than light. And so there, there is a, a kind of uh, a, a time regression um, as well in operation. So um, this is something that uh, these craft are able to do. And also they use uh, portal technology as well. Uh, that there are both artificial and natural portals, or stargates, as it's popularly known, where um, people and equipment can be moved uh, from you know, one part of the planet to um, other parts of the planet or to other planets. So you know, there's a, a number of ways in which uh, people can be transported and equipment moved uh, with the secret space programs. In talking about other planets, what do you think is going on on Mars? Uh, Andrew Vasiago, for example, has said on this program many times that he was teleported to Mars as, as a youngster. Seems like a far-out story, Michael. Well, um, you know, this is one of the things, uh, you know, when you have a number of people coming forward and saying very similar things. I mean, Andy uh, uh, Vasiago has uh, had other people um uh, three other people so far who have uh, come forward to say that uh, you know, they were part of that same program, uh, the Mars Jump Gate, um, in, uh, from 1980 to 83, as I recall it. And then you have um, the great-granddaughter of President Eisenhower, uh, Laura Eisenhower, saying that uh, she was actually approached to go to Mars. Um, you know, th and then you have these uh, the more recent whistleblowers who say that they were part of these 20 and back programs um, and and that they travel to Mars um, as part of those programs. And uh, very recently we had uh, Robert David Steele, I don't, I don't know if you've interviewed him yet, but uh, he, he actually said that uh, they were taking uh, people to Mars, actually children, that, ch that many of the children that disappear, that uh, they end up on Mars as uh, slave labor. So you know, there's, there's quite a pool now of uh, testimonies 
from independent sources saying that you know there are bases on Mars that have been built by these secret space programs, and that uh, they uh, are, are able to kind of like extract uh, people sometimes under kind of false pretenses and abuse them as slave labor. What do you think of the story? I mean, it it seems far fetched, doesn't it? Well, uh, you know, um, what I always do is to kind of listen to what uh, these different sources have to say and compare them and and see if there are points of similarity, um, see if they've kind of like contaminated one another's uh, testimonies, and also to kind of look at real-life events. Um, And and one of the things that really convinced me that, you know, things uh, that this kind of uh, slave labor is occurring on Mars bases is um, you know, two two events that are, two real life events that occurred in 2016 that that kind of dovetailed with with this information first um, emerging into the public arena under Corey Good at least uh, in in the middle of 2016. First, there was a meeting by the British Interplanetary Society in uh, in June of 2016 where the meeting basically discussed the scenario of how to remove a Mars colony dictator who abused uh, workers. Um, So, you know, right there you have uh, the British Interplanetary Society discussing the very scenario that Corey Good at the time was saying was occurring on Mars. And at the same time, again, you had um, the US Congress proposing legislation to give immunity to corporations that were involved in space mining up until the year 2022. And this, was, uh, this legislation was signed by President Obama in October of 2016. And, and essentially, the legislation did give protection under the U.S. Um, legal code to any corporation that submitted to U.S. jurisdiction when it came to space affairs that no regulations, no kind of laws or tr- international treaties would apply uh, to these companies' operations in space up until 2022, which effectively meant that you know, if what Corey Good and others are saying, that uh, there was slave labor on Mars, that under, the, under this uh, legislation uh, that was um, passed uh, by the Congress and signed by Obama, um, none of the companies involved in these kinds of abuses, none of the officials could be could be prosecuted uh, because uh, they could just uh, basically uh, uh, recognise U.S. Uh, jurisdiction over their activities and say that well, under the um, the space mining law, um, they have immunity up until 2022. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.